Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. So it's uh, all for play for still. I think so. Do you want to bet against us? Hi, villains, and welcome to For the Love of Pomegranate podcast. And we're back again, and we've licked our wounds after the Watford game. And uh, it's a good, nice, sparkly, sunny disposition again. Well, for me, anyway, um, about Aston Villa coming into the week ahead. And we're going to chat to you today about Newcastle on the horizon. First home game of the season, Paddy. I think we would love to be there. Um, but we can't. Absolutely. Um, but if we were there, I think it would be nothing but sunshine and lollipops. Up until kickoff, anyway, I think, from the two of us. Sunshine and alcohol pops, maybe. Alcohol pops, more like it, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Hopefully, I'll get there the following week. But still, I'm still on the fence about uh, the whole COVID situation. But uh, yeah. I'm, uh, I'm leaning towards taking the risk and, and traveling on uh, yeah. Saturday week. So, I'll be... Uh, I'll be. I'm actually camping this weekend, so I'll be watching watching the match from my tent. Hopefully, uh, without the rain beating down above. But we'll. Uh, I'm looking forward to it. I, I'm. Uh, I'm back into the optimistic side after a rough few days. We'll call it. Yeah, and look, there's no no point. Or there's there's nothing wrong with being um, non-optimistic for a while and kind of licking our wounds. You know, it's called the grief curve. You gotta go. You gotta go through the depression right. side of it. You gotta through the denial side of it. I I usually go straight from denial to acceptance. I don't usually go through the depressive side of it. But uh, I stay in denial for an awful lot longer than a lot of people. I think a lot mm-hmm. of times uh, that didn't happen. That game couldn't have happened. It's Aston Villa. We never play bad, isn't that? It? Then all of a sudden it's like, oh yes, we've another game. Um, but like you, you're going to be in a tent this weekend, Paddy. I'm going to be in a stadium of forty thousand people. I'm just not going to be in Villa Park. Um, for any of our Irish listeners, Limerick are playing, and some of you guys may have seen me tweet about this on Twitter. Uh, the final, the All Ireland final, All Ireland hurling championship final is on this Sunday. My beloved Limerick are in the final against our. I'm going to say our rivals, Cork. Um, but it's not really a rival shit, rivalry, I suppose. It depends on who you talk to, but it's sure to be a deadly game. And uh, yeah, so Villa on Saturday and then Limerick on Sunday and then copious 
uh, amounts of painkilling tablets to cure the hangover on Monday, win, lose, or draw. Um, that's going to be my uh, my weekend, and it's going to be my first time really actually going out. I suppose since uh, since COVID since COVID nineteen hit about a year ago. So I am absolutely looking forward to it. So that's a little delve and a little uh, trip into my life over this weekend, and uh, that's why I'm so happy. That's why I'm so happy because there's a lot of good things going on this weekend. Get gonna gonna watch Villa win five nil against Newcastle. I'm gonna watch Limerick win the All Ireland hurling championship. What more can a man ask for? Really, what more can a man ask for? You're not asking um, for much, are you? No, I'll take <laughs> I a one nil. I know, I know. Given, I'll take a one nil. Please give us a five nil. That'll be nice. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, we'll just start Conor Horahan and we'll get on to what our team selection will be. Usually when we start Conor Horahan against Newcastle, we usually win. So uh, they're like, he's like our lucky charm against them. But um, I doubt we're going to see him start the midfield uh, uh, this weekend. But I suppose firstly, Paddy, before we get into the Newcastle stuff, let's have a little quick little chat about a couple of things that have been going on. Um, great white hope as a lot of fans seem to seem to have ha, have thought he was. James Ward Prowse has signed a new deal at Southampton. Um, what's your views on that, Paddy? Do you think he was ever likely to come to Aston Villa? I think I think it was a possibility at one stage. Um, I, I must admit, I'm kind of happy he isn't. It seemed like an awful lot of money for someone who I consider to be unproven as yet for me. So. Uh, I'm, I'm kind of happy enough that that's not going to happen um, with, with bigger fish to fry in different positions to what James Ward-Prowse is going to offer, I believe. So uh, it's it's it hasn't affected my... I was, I was actually a bit relieved, if anything, when I saw tonight that he signed a new contract because uh, it's not something we need. We, we all know where we need to sign a new player and I don't think, I don't think he was there to do that job. So um, I'm okay with that one. I can understand why people would want to sign him. You know, he's a good passer of the ball. He's a great continuity player. He's going to get around the field. Don't think anybody had as many yards ran around the field as he did last year. Um, so from that point of view, his pressures, I, I haven't looked at it. didn't look at his stats for pressures. Don't have them at the top of my head. But if you're running around the field, you must be doing something like you're chasing the ball. Um, as I say, his free kicking, free kick ability, um, his, his set piece ability was all pluses. But like you, Paddy, I don't think that he's the player that we. He's a player that look. Would I have said no to him if he came? If he wasn't the only one to come in, no, I would have liked to seen him in the team if that was the case. But if he's our only signing, I think we need to sign somebody that's a small bit more agricultural and a bit more robust. I don't think we need an absolute superstar passer in midfield. I think we need more of a continuity player in midfield. And, you know, I think Douglas Louise can be that cont continuity player to a certain level, but I just don't think that he's a kind of a destroyer or an enforcer in midfield. So um, I'm still really much on, the, on the, the side of wanting a destroyer in midfield, wanting somebody to allow us to get our attacks, our attacks going. And um and, and look, if we can get a destroyer that keeps the ball and passes the ball, I mentioned I just happened to throw out a speculative tweet because I, I, I read a, a um a column today, uh, an article today that said that Weston McKinney was no longer was surplus to reply uh, to to um requirements in Juventus already after only being there one year. He was obviously signed last year by last year by the manager last year, and now Allegri is back in there. He signed Locatelli. It looks like he's gonna sign Miriam Panic as well from um from Barcelona, and it looks like Weston McKinney could be the odd man out. I think he'd be. I think he'd be a very, very good signing. I think he's made for the Premier League. He tackles like it, like all hell. He gets around the field. He gets in pressures. He's a, just a tackling machine. 
and the boy can pass too as well. So he's also got a bit of grunt and height in, he, in him. I think he's about six foot one, six foot two. So like he would tick all the boxes. And yes, he wouldn't have the flashy range of passing the James Ward Prowse does, but he's he's uh, a top twenty five percent passer in all of uh, of Europe's top um, top five leagues. And we only need somebody to do the, the the short intermediate distance passing. We don't need anyone to rake balls uh, forward. We already have Tyrone Mings for that. And plus, not, I don't think that Dean Smith wants somebody to be able to play accurate long balls anyway. So, listen, I, I suppose I've, I've tangentially gone on to that, just something that I mentioned today. But I'm just not sure that James Ward-Prowse would have been all singing, all dancing for us at Aston Villa. Yes, we would have been a great piece to have in the team. But he's not the keystone that's going to lock this midfield together, I don't think. Totally agree. Totally agree. Um, I don't know a whole point about Weston McKinney, so I'm not, I'm not going to go in on that one. Um, seems like the type of player that we Juventus, he may go somewhere on the cheap just to just to get him off the books. So it, it's one to be looking at. Uh, I don't know if if we've even looked at from the club point of view if it's something we looked at, but we'll, we'll find out in the coming days, I'm sure. Yeah, the only reason I mentioned him was that we were linked with him to, in 2020. We were linked with him at the start of last season when he was with Schalke, and he went from Schalke to uh, Juventus for 20 million. Looks like Juventus are looking for somewhere between 25, 30 million for him, and I think that would probably be better money spent. Half that, like that's half of James Ward Prowse. I think you get more than uh, half the ability of James Ward Prowse for for Weston McKinney, and we probably get more of what. I think, and I'm not saying I'm right. Everybody's opinion is valid and everybody can think what they think. I'm not saying that anybody else's opinion is wrong. I just personally think that we need somebody more like more like that than we do a, a, a continuity um, player like, like James Ward-Prowse, who does admittedly get around the field and is versatile in playing different positions. I don't think we need versatility. I need, think we need a specialist midfield destroyer who can pass the ball around a bit. Um, yeah. But look, as I say, that's just my opinion. I'm sure everybody else has a different one as well on that. And we may see no one come through the doors. And if we do, well, yeah, we'll just have to make do with our lot. That's the way it goes. And then it's up to Dean Smith to earn his coaching badges then at that stage. But Absolutely. I don't want to get dragged down and talk too much about uh, too, too much about transfers and transfer business and stuff like that because it may never come. But what we do know is uh, do know has come is that with regards to transfers is that uh, we've had people leave on loan, Paddy, and uh, it's time for another one of Paddy's loan watch roundups again. Anyone play there in the midweek fixtures for Aston Villa or for yeah, we, Aston Villa we had a couple. Teams. He had a couple, yeah. Um, Kane Kessler obviously missed out because of his red card last week. Mm -hmm. So he, he was suspended for uh, Swindon's nil all draw with Tranmere. And by all accounts on social media, they missed him. So uh, he's obviously tearing up trees there and the fans seem to really like him. Uh, Louis Barry only got, he only came on in the 88 minute as a substitute for Ipswich, who subsequently lost 2-1 to Cheltenham. Probably a bit late to bring him on to try and change the game, in fairness. And uh, someone who is doing pretty well, uh, again, scoring another goal this week, is second in the week, is Indiana Vasilev, who scored the first goal for Inter Miami in a 3-2 win against Chicago. They've really turned it. Well, I'm not going to say they've really turned their fortunes around. They've gotten a draw and they've gotten a win in recent times, but they couldn't buy a buy points under uh, Phil Neville. Is he still there? Did he leave? I'm not not 100 sure. I think he's still there. Yeah. I think he's still there. He came. He came up with a ridiculous uh, press conference whereby he used every single cliche under the sun. Um, 
in a press conference to deflect from the fact that there were uh, shipping goals and shipping points like it was no one's business. But he's right in the ship, it seems. And Indiana Vasilev has come in and, you know, he's uh, he's standing up players there like Gonzalo Higuain that's playing alongside him. And, uh, you know, he seems mm. to be somebody who's coming in there and doing the business for them. So, so fair play to Higuain Vasilev. got taken off, not him. So he must be doing something right. Absolutely. Well, he's not smoking 40, 40 cigarettes a day like Higuain does. <laughs> that's, I think that's what the story is there. But... Um, yeah, um there's, other, so, um, there's other big news out of America. There is apparently, apparently our owners have copyrighted the name Las Vegas Villains, much to the annoyance of some people because they've spelled villains with an A I N S. So, uh, I know why they did that, of course. Oh. Yeah, sure, we all know, but uh, you know, the purists are, are not happy and, and sure they have to have something to moan about, but um. You know, some, some say we're the purest that moan about things, Paddy. We moan about we moan about refs. We moan about we moan about pundits. Like that's that's pretty purest stuff there. Like they're they're high topics of moanability, you know. Um, <laughs> Is there any needs to uh, to be moaning about a hypothetical team that might never happen? But anyway, they've copyrighted the name or or applied to copyright the name, I should say, of Las Vegas villains, and who knows. That could be our holiday destination every summer, Neil, when there's no games going great. on. Yeah, so like, like I, I don't know what would take anybody to Las Vegas. I don't know why they would go there. There doesn't seem to be anything there anyway. It seems to be a bit of a shithole, but um, I jest on that. But I think the reason that they spelt it villains, yes, they want to probably create, uh, if they're going to stick around Aston Villa, which it very much looks like they are, that they want to maybe create a, a more like a franchise version of that Villa villains or whatever. And that to me sounds a bit small, a small bit cool. The reason they would have spelt it villains is yes, the US market that aren't Aston Villa fans won't cop the difference, but also yeah. Las Vegas is Sin City. It's the you know it's 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 the town where people go to to have debauchery of you know bad boy image of that town. You know the uh, so it's. Um, it it's why sense. they would have called them yeah. the villains there as well, so it makes sense. And I think it's probably good marketing on their behalf. And look, I'm all for it. If we get a team out there, um, you know, and it builds the profile of Aston Villa Football Club and it brings in more revenue when we can push money through companies, through shell companies in the United States, like the like the owners of Man City are doing, well then hey, I'm all for it. Let's let's navigate our way around financial fair play and let's do it like all the rest of them are doing it because no one's gonna feel sorry for us if we uh if if we don't start doing it because look. It's just the way football has gone. And that's the way the world has gone. And, you know, let's see what happens from it. It's an interesting story and we'll definitely keep up the developments on that one for sure. Yeah, it's it draws parallels to what Man City did with uh, with New York City FC. So yeah. um, all, all, all pointing towards the future. So it's it's never a bad thing to hear news like this. So uh, certainly the spelling of uh, villains won't bother me. No, it won't bother me if it adds an extra... What 30, 40, 50 million onto the end of the balance sheet at the end of the year. Um, just like I think as well, we, we signed a, a sponsorship deal with Monster Energy. And, uh, you know, I think, look, they are what they are. Some people don't like them. I don't know what the company has done for people not to like them, but some people don't like Monster Energy. I'm, I'm, it's, it's, it's a pretty harmless from what I can see. Somebody might be able to, to sort me out and tell me I'm wrong on that one. Look, once again, it adds a couple of zeros onto the end of the balance sheet. Exactly. And that's, uh, I, I, I think that, uh, you know, signing these partnerships, they mean nothing really at the end of the day. It's just a case of Monster Energy would probably be branded somewhere in the concourse and they pay us money to do that. And for me, I think it's smart business sense if oh, it can, uh, 
Yeah, and you know, like everything else, it's moderation. The same with alcohol. If you're going to have a sponsor, which is uh, high in caffeine and, and energy, so you, you just need to be careful with your intake. And that's the only wrong thing I can see with it. So uh, look, more money in the bank. All good with me. Paddy, if we had a coffee sponsor, would anyone be giving out a book of caffeine intake? You know, there's some people out there who drink eight, nine, ten cups of coffee a day, and no, then and and then they give out about Monster Energy. Like, come off it. I'm just, just like for me, yes, obviously caffeine has its dangers, but there's a ton of hypocrisy out there with regards to that. And um, I'm open to correction. I'm always open to listen to somebody's opinion. Um, anyway, let's get off that uh, that topic there because I'm sure that I've said something wrong in that uh, in that statement because I've got <laughs> zero background. That's just 100% opinion, zero um, background in anything like that. Um, let's talk about this game, Paddy. Newcastle United, uh, old cabbage man is on his way back to Villa Park uh, at the yep. weekend, uh, Steve Bruce. Um, probably lucky to still be in a job after a lot of last season. I know Newcastle fans still don't want him around. They, they don't want their owner. They don't want their manager. You know, there's, there's, they're never there's, happy, are they? Well, I can understand why they're not happy with their owner. I do have a lot of sympathy for them over their owner because they did have some good owners through the years. They spent money and really kind of give a bit of razzmatazz to that area of, of the country. But like in fairness, Mike Ashley is kind of, it's kind of taking the biscuit now at this stage. Um, and, and and like he's only just making enemies more so than making friends up there, but he doesn't care. He's protecting his investment. And at the end of the day, he's always said, Yeah, I'm but well, he, he said he was a he was a Newcastle fan, but he's now running it like a business and he's not gonna go until he gets what he thinks is his fair share for the company. But mm. um whether he gets whether he sells the company or not between now and Saturday isn't gonna make a blind bit of difference to how much no. for spanking we're gonna give him. Um He's about as much as of a Newcastle fan as I am, in fairness. So, uh, yeah, you can't kid a kidder. <laughs> no, no, no. He's a West no, Ham yeah. fan, and that's the end of it. I think so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's why he brought in Glenn Roder at that time and gave him <laughs> something like a forty-five-year contract or whatever it was. Um, but I jest. I say that we're going to spank Newcastle. I do kind of jest as well because we can't be sure what way this Aston Villa team is going to go out or what way they're going to perform. We're in. Yeah. We're, we're in an. an the relative area of transition at the moment we can only really go on what we've seen in one game we've we've got a one game sample set of, of the new aston villa at the yeah. moment and sometimes it was awful and i think as the game went down we kind of grew into ourselves a small bit but where do you feel paddy that uh that dean smith might look to change it up bar the obvious i suppose where do you think yeah, dean smith well, look to change it up at the weekend i don't think we're in a relative transition we are in a transition yeah, we've well, got we've got to reinvent ourselves over the next few weeks and and get a new plan of, of how we're going to go and destroy teams like Newcastle, and that's the that these are the games we have to be winning. We should have won at the weekend. I think that was an important one to get off to a start, and we we just didn't turn up. Um, so there's going to be a lot of pressure on this week. It's going to be pressure on the players. It's going to be pressure on the managers. Um, the fans are going to be in full voice at Villa Park. It's the first time. Villa Park has been full in uh, nearly 17 months, I believe, because um, we didn't have a home match up between, I think it was Spurs we played in that famous game where the ball went under Bjorn Engels' foot. was yes. the last game we yeah. were full at Villa Park. So um, a lot of water on the bridge since then, a lot of fine performances last year. And, you know, I just hope the fans take it upon themselves to just really get behind the team this weekend. Because they're going to need oh, it. 
I think it was quite I think it was quite negative and rightly so negative at the weekend. Um the team never got going, the fans never got going. It's just one of those things. It's it, you know, we're in transition. We need to support the boys, we need to start singing from more go, we need to get behind them. It's gonna be a, it's gonna be a strange, you know, we, we're we're looking at, you know, Matt Target there, who's been one of our best players for sixteen months with no fans in the stadium and the likelihood is that he could miss out at the weekend. Because we don't we don't know what his fitness is like. He he was obviously mm-hmm. hauled off at half time. Um we know that well, do we know that we've lost Bertrand Traore? I don't think we'll yeah, find out. Yeah, we do. It's it's more or less confirmed, I think, at this stage. Although I did see him in that picture with Douglas Louise and, and Emmy yeah. Martinez that were holding up flags, but like I there hasn't really been anything official being mentioned on it, but I, I think it's safe to say that we're not going to see him. Yeah. Has there even been official word that we played Liverpool at the weekend? Not official word, but I think enough people have mentioned it now at this stage that are close to the club to for so, it to be taken as, as gospel, I think. Yeah. Well, I, I think that's a game. I think he would have made a huge difference. So mm. that that's something else that we've got to think about. Um, I would imagine Douglas Luiz is going to come in and replace Marvellous Nakamba. Um Nothing to base that on other than poor performance at the weekend. Um, something that we we never even considered. Um, I saw a stat in the news, newspaper today. Imagine there was a newspaper on my desk in, in the office today. <laughs> I don't know who still buys Paddy's working in back in 1976. That's where Paddy's after getting <laughs> a job. 1976. Yeah. And there was a lot of stats on the, on the newspaper. Yeah. And one of our players gave the ball away the most of any player in the Premier League last weekend and it wasn't marvellous Emi Bundia no Emi Bundia no well Matty Cash I'm looking at stats maybe so yeah Matty Cash gave the ball away 29 times in a game and it went relatively unnoticed that that was the case so look uh, uh, there's a whole lot of things to consider in what happened last weekend Um. But we will see changes. Um, we, we probably will see Bailey start if he's if he's fit enough and, and ready for the task. And uh, then we we have to discuss who plays through the middle or if they play Buendia off the right or where does Danny Ings come back or where does Watkins fit in if Danny Ings stays on the pitch, which he probably will. So I'll leave that one with you, Neil, and we, we'll discuss it further then. So I th- I think the fact that Bertrand Troy is out means that Emmy Buendia goes to the right-hand side. I think Leon Bailey starts. I think Ashley Young plays behind Leon Bailey. I think we st- I think we see a team akin to what finished the Watford game, except for, I think we see Ings play off Watkins. In, uh, uh, but Ings not, like, not in a 4-4-2. I just don't think we're playing 4-4-2, guys. I just don't. I, I think we will play two. I think we play Ings and Watkins together. I just don't think we're playing a 4-4-2. I think we play Ings withdrawn um, off the striker in that number 10 role. And that's, and, and, and I think uh, I, I'll try and show why in a moment. Um, because I don't think that four two three one within uh, the Premier League, even even Newcastle didn't play, like Newcastle set up in a four four two or f- f- like there was pundits trying to figure out what way they were going to set up, and we look at how they actually did set up the last day, um, uh, and 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 it wasn't uh, two strikers up top. Yeah, um, Sam Maxim didn't play up front, 
So it's it's something we'll take a look at in a moment. And I think Aston Villa will look at that and try try to drag the defend some defenders forward, try and leave um a staggered centre half um partnership. And um, what I'm I'm kind of going into something now that I've I've been trying to do a bit of work on. I haven't got a hundred percent um I haven't got hundred percent of my findings on this yet, but what I think the teams are trying to do is instead of spread center halves apart, I think they're trying to stagger them so that you can get in around players. And I said it an awful lot last season that Ollie Watkins, especially against Spurs in the first, uh, the first time he played Spurs, um, that he ran figures of eight, like he was running in a figure of eight pattern between the two, uh, between the two, the two center halves. And I think he was doing that to try and stagger them. So you can, you have an opportunity to play the ball over the top and get, get people running diagonally. Or you've got an opportunity to slide the ball down the side of somebody and get people running, running diagonally. I don't like, it's just something I'm looking at. It's something I'm interested in. Um, and I think potentially that that's why, uh, Aston Villa playing a Danny Ings kind of further withdrawn will, uh, almost it, it'll either force them to bring a defensive midfielder into mid uh, out of midfield, which will allow us to push our no our, push one of our two sixes up to an eight, which suits us a small bit more. But I think that playing Danny Ings in there gets people thinking a small bit more. So to answer your question, well, whatever happened there, to answer your question, um, I think that it, right. I think we'll see a lot more attacking uh lineup at the start. And I think Ollie Watkins will play up play directly up top with Danny Ings maybe withdrawn off from a small bit, Leon Bailey to the left, Bundia to the right. And I think that there's I think there's fireworks in that front four. Um I think what we see then in midfield would be Douglas Louise and and uh and McGinn. And I think that we see the two of them small bit more withdrawn, holding holding a bit more central. And uh I think we see Ashley Young, Matty Cash and our two centre halves. And I think that's what our setup is going to be at, at the weekend. Yeah. Um it's gonna be a fairly con- congested midfield. Um, oh yeah. Oh yeah. And that's- that's going. That's going to probably dictate what happens between between uh, Douglas Louise and John McGinn. I would imagine that congestion will lead to them being fairly close together. I would have liked to see a more open Newcastle team, but I don't think we're going to. I, th- I think it'll be priority not to lose again from uh, Steve Bruce, as we all know well. That's the way he sets up. Um, probably unlucky to have lost at the weekend. Bit of a dodgy penalty thought for for uh, West Ham, um, which was unfortunate for them. Um, but the, you know we've got to move on now, and and it's up it's up to us now to undo them. And you know if they if they ship four goals against new uh, against us, we won't let in three like West Ham did. I just can't see that happening. So um, we're we're going to be a lot tighter compared to what we we did last week. I'm sure. Dean Smith won't want us to go out and concede an early goal and be on the back foot already. Uh, let's take a look at how Newcastle. Let's take a look back, I suppose, at how Newcastle played against uh, against West Ham and how they actually set up. Because I alluded to it there a moment ago. And guess what? We've got some slides. Yeah, I know we're getting really carried away with ourselves these days. So I'm just going to pop this up on the screen here. So, whoops, that's not the one I want to show first. So this is the one first here, guys. So this is the Newcastle position map. Um, from who scored again and this is the way they set up so they've obviously got three at the back here with uh, Fernandez Emil uh, Fernandez playing centrally Emil Kraft to the right and Kieran Clark to the to the left hand side Jacob Murphy then playing just a small little bit further off of Craft. Uh, um Matt Ritchie obviously allowed to go a small bit further forward considering he is more of an attacking player and a left winger he's one of these guys I've a rational fear of you guys might remember um last year I've an irrational fear of Matt Ritchie um, I don't know why, um, but 
he always just sticks out in my mind as somebody who'll do something that would really piss me off in a game and meaning he will score or have a wonder assist um, and then look at their midfield it really congests up their midfield here and their midfield is a tight diamond and uh, that top the tip of that diamond there is uh, the tip of the diamond is um, Alan Sam Maxim so everybody's been talking an awful lot about Sam Maxim and um, he sits in there at the tip of the diamond and Moran plays further to the left uh isaac hayden and and shelby then patrol in around uh, behind the two of them and up top they have callum wilson so we can see here that look if you're they make it very difficult to try and play through them now saying that the way that they've set up here it's actually you know if you've got the right players and you've got players picking up the right positions and falling into holes and, and, and into the pocket here you can play through them but it's going to you're going to need a good passer and this kind of i'm going to contradict myself here now slightly because i said that I don't think James Ward-Prowse is our saviour, but if you had a James Ward-Prowse, now, as I said, I, I never said I didn't want to sign him. I just don't think he's a silver bullet. But you, <laughs> if you had a James Ward-Prowse in this situation, you might be able to trade balls through. But what we do have here is, and this is why I think this, uh, this is um, the way that, should I say this, um, the West Ham set up against this team is... Um, they set up like this, and by the powers of magic, I can bring in the West Ham team here. So we can see here, I'm trying to make a little overlay of uh, of the way the two teams played. So I'm gonna we're gonna look here at the West Ham team. Their back four sets up unbelievably like Aston Villa's do. High full backs, two centre halves close in the middle, back your centre backs to be able to cover the ground. That's the way they set up. Their centre midfielders nearly sit on top of each other. And I think this is the way that McGinn and Louise will play. And I prefer McGinn and Louise to be playing this position here, just hogging the centre circle, making sure that they're more defensive than anything else. Then they've got their two wide guys here in Farnells and Bowen, um, both Pacey. You know, we're going to have Buendia and, and Leon Bailey here. And then look at this. This is the piece that, that, that really kind of intrigues me here. You've got Ben Rama and you've got Antonio. You've got um, Mikel Antonio. And they're playing more or less off of each other, literally on each other's shoulders, or they're picking up the same spaces. They're taking turns to drop into that space right in front of Fernandez. And this is music to my ears because if we look here to see where the positions that, uh, that Newcastle uh, um, that Newcastle have here in the red dots, we can see that basically what the what the, the team did, they stood down on top of John Joe Shelby, stopped him from moving the ball with their two cent with their two central midfielders, and then they plugged mass they plugged as many people as they could in centrally in front of Fernandez to negate the two wide centre halves here. And they got they got joy from it because they ended up scoring um they ended up scoring like like four goals, as I say, and I know that one of them was uh one of them was a dubious penalty, but um the movement of Mikel Antonio and the movement of Ben Rama, that's akin to the movement of Watkins and the effort of Watkins and Ings up there. And I think that we can play a very, very similar game plan um, that, that, uh, that West Ham played. Um, let's just take a look. As I said, this is how Villa can set up. Um, once again, this is the Newcastle team, as I said, the way that they set up with their packed midfield, Callum Wilson up front and Sam Maxim playing in a bit more withdrawn role in in, in the, the specific traditional 10 role let's see i'm going to bring in how i feel aston villa will set up uh, and and how they will uh they will play at the weekend this is based on the everton game that they played last year and um, when they played against everton the numbers here will reflect what that game was but i think this setup is something truer to the way we might see uh, aston villa set up um 
And uh, this is actually this is the way. I, I, sorry, I'm going to going to clarify this. This is the way I, that they would set up if they went with three three midfielders playing a Buendia in midfield as opposed to playing an Ings there. But I still think that if Ings is playing in here, he will be a small bit further forward into that pocket. So where you can see the number twenty there, where the Ross where Ross Barkley would have played, that's where I think Ings Ings could come in here. But if we see here the way that uh, the way that Aston Villa have set up previously, they've looked to kind of crowd out that midfield area just with their three get in three and people inside there um our full backs will play high up our um our, our two center halves will will be backed to uh to um to patrol that back line and uh, ollie watkins will push up on fernandez there which will mean that their two um their two uh other center halves here will be occupied with leon bailey and a another whoever's outside there if it is buendia and if ings is in here ings will play a small bit further forward than where we can see number 20 or where barkley played play a small bit further forward and i don't think it's i, I don't think that's a a big issue should i say if if, if that is the case because barkley was the float guy who was supposed to float around there anyway the big deal was that mcginn and Douglas Louise were patrolling in around that center center field area, and that we were occupying their defenders as much as they were trying to um, as they were trying to pack out the midfield. Am I mad to think that? Am I mad to think that Dean Smith just reverts to type at the weekend and just says, "Right, we're going to play a similar formation to this, like I know it works, except we're going to put Danny Ings a small bit further forward, uh, maybe into the into this position up here, uh, just in in front of that little pocket." In front of the the uh, the back three, and and uh, that's the only tweak I'm going to make. Yeah, I'm no, to think that's, that. I, I, that's, that's the tweak I'd make of what you're saying there. I think I think it will be very very like what you're showing. I think early on in the game we'll be a little bit more withdrawn and give them a little bit more respect and just make sure with no early mistakes. But I think as the game progresses, that's what we will see more or less. Obviously, you know. The lineup will, will change, of course, but we will, we will see uh, Ings playing a lot closer to Watkins. Like Barkley did at times last year, um, and you know it, it will look like two up front at times, but we will, we will have to see. And who knows? It, it could be a case that Watkins is the man who does the running in behind. It, it'll be totally up to Dean Smith what way he wants to do that, and, and that is the interesting one for me: is how we pigeonhole these two players into. The formation that we want to play, and and then again, what is the formation we want to play um, going forward? So it's it's an interesting one. We didn't pay that money for Danny Ings from the sitting bench, so you know you, you just can't drop Bobby Watkins because of the work rate that he puts in. So I I personally think that there's a possibility Ings could be left up there, and Ollie Watkins does that patrolling in behind him, yeah. or or they could alternate depending on the opposition and depending on fitness at the time or if you just busted a, a go to get in behind the defence and, and you're out of sync, maybe maybe they just alternate that to just get one drop a bit more from, from the goal kick or the restart or whatever. Yeah. Uh, and I agree. I like uh, as I say. I I think it'll be the raw. The reason I think that Watkins will will go up top is that I think that he will actually uh they, he'll, he'll stop this the the sweeper for want of a better word um in Fernandez in in being able to drop off and to drop into a position whereby he's allowed freedom. And I think that would really disrupt their backline. 
Um, but look, it's the, that's the beauty about football. We can talk about it here. And when they when they start with Kanye Chukmueka in the ten position, Jaden Philogene Bades on the right hand side, drop Emmy Buendia and start with Mings up or start with uh, Danny Ings up front, and Watkins comes off the bench. Won't we all look like prize plums after this pro- podcast? Uh, we're doing the team sheet tantrum. <laughs> Depending on the fitness of Ollie Watkins as well, and, yeah. and bearing in mind that you know, you know that Buendia didn't have a particularly good day to start with last weekend so um, there's a whole lot to consider I wouldn't like to be making the decisions this week yeah, no, I wouldn't. I, I, I wouldn't either. But you know what? I think there's relevant decisions, and I think there's exciting decisions, and I think there's options there. So, like, it's. I, I don't think we're devoid of options. Like, is there anybody no. here? Please uh, put up your hands if you think that you'd be a bit pissed off that Jaden for the Jim didn't get a chance. I know that he may be maybe a small bit undercooked from an experience point of view, but let's just say they stacked him on the right wing. Like, uh, we're going to have to see them at some stage. You know, if he yeah. starts him, on, I don't think he's going to start him, by the way. But let's just say somebody like that, they started the Carney Chuck Mueke in midfield instead. You know, are we all, are we, are we going to have a meltdown in the team sheet tantrum? Fuck no, we absolutely won't. No. We'll be, we'll cheer them on to high heaven. So there's good decisions to be made. There's positive kind of changes that the, that the, that the, the coaching squad can make. And, uh, you know, it's not like last year where we're going, okay, Ollie Watkins might be fit. We're going to play Keenan Davis, and we know exactly what's going to happen. You know, there's a bit of thought that the, that the management can put into this. And, you know, I'm maybe thought is the wrong thing. Maybe thought can be a bad thing. It can be a bad thing too, you know, having too much time to think about stuff. But he's got options now, you know, and, and this is something that we've been crying out for. So let's see what he comes up with at the weekend. Yes, Dino, we trust. It'll be Dino. an interesting one and probably the most interesting lineup of the season, bearing in mind about what's going on last weekend. Um, I'm, I'm a little bit worried about the Maddie Cash or Maddie Taggart situation. So uh, I'm hoping the guy regains his, his, his fitness and his confidence because I hope his confidence wasn't too uh, too battered after last weekend because I, I think Ishmael Sarr would have destroyed any full back in that first half and probably ran out of gas in the second half or maybe actually young just had the better of him standing off him and letting him <laughs> try and run down alleys that weren't there which is basically what happened in the second half so they had to change their attack but um you know many targets being great for us over over there especially since we, we've had lockdown and everything else so um hoping he's uh fully fit and, and back to normality soon yeah absolutely before we go, Paddy, actually, no, I'm not even going to do it. I was going to say score prediction. We leave that for the team sheet tantrum um, on on Saturday. We might get... Actually, I just realized you said you're going to be camping. I don't even know if you're going to be able to do the team sheet tantrum. We might be getting a team sheet tantrum from sunny slash rainy Kong County Mayor or wherever you're going to be camping this weekend. Um, so we might see you out in the wild somewhere. If we we'll do. try it anyway and see. We'll try it anyway and we'll see. If, if not, you'll have a listener to help you out with questions. And, uh, and, exactly. Uh, Exactly. I will have our lovely for the love of Paul McGrath family to keep me company. Um because uh I had a bit of a mishap yesterday, lads. I did a birch and Troy myself. I was did I tell the story at the start of the podcast? That'll tell you how daughtery I'm getting in oh. my old age. I didn't, I was to told, <laughs> told you just me. beforehand. <laughs> told you beforehand. So picture this. There was a, we're playing six aside, it was a corner. Car, I stood at back post. I was in where John McGinn would have been defending me, except I don't have the height of Jan Vestergaard. But what I did was I made a most beautiful arcing run out towards the D of the box. 
Corner came in low, training ground maneuver, training ground move, came out to the edge of the D, and I pinged one in top corner. But what I did was I had to jump off the ground. It wasn't the best ball. It was bobbling a small bit. I had to jump to get up over the ball a small bit. And when I landed down, I could feel that dreaded tear of a hamstring in the back of my leg. So, yeah, I did a bit of a birch and Troy and that. So I uh, had to go goals for the la- for the second half. And, uh, you know, as everybody knows, when you've torn a hamstring, the best thing you can do is dive around the goals for ages <laughs> afterwards because it does it wonders. So I'm sitting here in a small little bit of pain with a nice pack on my hamstring. So um, hashtag pray for Neil. Hashtag, uh, you know, get better soon to me. And um, I'm not a great patient. So um, it's been a wonder that I've been able to smile through this podcast. But it's been a good one. As I say, I love the positivity of looking forward to a match. And we do have that match at the weekend. And hopefully no one else pings a hamstring between now and Saturday because it's the most annoying injury of all time. You think you're right. You're doing all these things during the day. And you're going, I like it's a sword all. It's great. And then it'll get you when you least expect it. So watch out for those hamstrings. Um. Anyway, that's my rant over. Lads, we're going to finish up there on that. Um, thanks, William, for listening. Thanks, William, for watching. Uh, just wanted to kind of say again to everybody, like the 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 response, I think, over the last three, four, five weeks to the podcast has been absolutely amazing. I love chatting to you guys every day. And 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 sometimes we'll, we'll have a discussion on things. And you know, that's, that's great stuff. That's what discourse is about, to be able to talk about stuff. I'm not going to tell anybody these opinions a pile of shit um, because I genuinely, it's not for me to tell anybody that. Um it's 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 great to chat and thanks for interacting on, on on Twitter and wherever else and you know thanks for all the kind words that you leave underneath podcast as well. It was a really good reaction to our tactics talk podcast as well that we did after the um the Watford game. I'm gonna try and get that up on Monday again after this. Uh, I I will be hungover on Monday, but I will still try and get it get it up um for for you guys after the uh the Newcastle game um and uh that's like i just want to say thanks a million for everything you do for the podcast we really 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 appreciate it so you can get get paddy as always at villa paddy on twitter and catch me on at love mcgrath please like and subscribe to subscribe to the podcast the audio stuff we're going to be putting out a, a few more audio podcasts as well so if you aren't subscribed on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever. There's some things that we'll do, obviously, on YouTube, which are better for that for that medium. And there's other things that would be better just for spoken word and audio stuff as well. So uh, judging on what you guys have said to us before, some, sometimes you like stuff done in audio, sometimes you like done in YouTube. So we're going to give you guys what you, what you want. So please subscribe on the audio side of things as well as on YouTube too. And hit that little um, bell on YouTube so that you're notified whenever we go live. Um, we will be live with a team sheet tantrum on Saturday, an hour and 10 minutes before every game we will do we will endeavor to give you a team sheet tantrum which is a reaction to the team sheets as they come out and we'd love to have as many of you guys there as physically possible that can absolutely join us to chat the newcastle uh, team sheet tantrum on on saturday so um with that guys it is um it's looking upwards i think for aston villa it should look i'm just going to be positive and say it's looking upwards for aston villa we're going to go out we're hopefully going to do the business against newcastle at the weekend and all that's left to say is up the villa Sports Social Podcast Network.